read the 42. It says, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first night came to Jesus, or first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about a hundred pound weight. And then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. And now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. And there laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. I'm going to preach a little bit, not as long as I have been. Hopefully we'll see. Maybe I will. Um, it's not too late. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you, God, for what you're doing here in our service. God, in our midst, I pray that you would continue to work and have your way. God, I pray, speak to us through your word today. God, open our, our hearts to hear. God, I pray, draw us closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can see it, I suppose. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt like you missed something. Maybe the moment passed, um, like there was an opportunity and it, you kind of missed it or it passed by. Uh, maybe it was something you always wanted to, to do or you, something you planned on doing and you put it off or something else got in the way and now it's too late to do that. I don't know. Anyone ever felt like that? The older I get, the more things I think I missed. <laughs> but it's a hard thing to deal with. Sometimes maybe you look back and maybe there was a, a friendship or a relationship or something that could have been, but it's obviously too late now. Or maybe there was a job or a career or a field you were interested in, but you never took the step, you know, to pursue the schooling or the training or whatever, and you, and you missed it. Or maybe uh, you felt like there was a place you always wanted to go and see, but now it's too late. Or I don't know, maybe something silly like a band you wanted to see, but they broke up. Or something I don't know and we just kind of live our lives and then one day realize that this thing or this opportunity uh, it is no more jobs get filled by other people um, people move on bands break up restaurants you're going to go try they close um, travel gets restricted you know, life happens we have health issues that restrict us from doing things. And it's a terrible feeling of regret and remorse. It's kind of like you have a dream and it dies. And when that happens, nobody else really sees it. And it's, um, it's this weird feeling that comes with that. There's, there's a disappointment. There's a heartbreak. And you can't quite explain it because it's not a real thing. It's something that it's, it hasn't happened. But it, it just you feel like you missed it. And there's regret and remorse and all that that comes with it. And when it happens, we can sometimes be inclined to react and, and do something to try to make up for it. That's why you got guys in their 50s buying the sports cars. <laughs> that, and it takes a while to save up for one. But people, you know, they go through these crises because they feel like they missed out on something and they need to make up for it. And so we're going to talk about two guys in the, the New Testament who lived this sort of thing. They missed out on maybe something and, and they 
trying to make up for it at the end. You've probably gathered, we read at the beginning who they were. There was a guy named Nicodemus, and there was another named Joseph of Arimathea. So who were these men? First, we'll talk about Nicodemus. He's probably the better known of the two. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee. And if you don't know what the Sanhedrin was, they were basically a group of leaders in Israel. They were pretty much, you could call them the politicians, if you would, um, of the, the Jewish community. They were the law. There were two groups, the lesser Sanhedrin. Um, each city had its own group of 23 judges and Pharisees, and they'd handle the legal matters and things. And then there was the greater Sanhedrin and the, the higher-ups, um, the big leagues, like the Supreme Court of Israel. There were 71 of those. We're not sure what group Nicodemus was a part of, but he was a pretty big deal. He had some influence in his community. Uh, he's mentioned three times in the Gospel of John. The first time we meet him is in chapter 3, and he comes to Jesus at night to talk to him and figure out what the deal with Jesus is. And they have this incredible conversation, and it's one that we look back on quite a bit. And you can tell by the way that he and Jesus are talking that there's something there in Nicodemus. He wants to know more. He's actually interested. Sometimes Pharisees would meet with Jesus, and they would ask him questions to try to trap him or trick him to get him to say the wrong thing so they could arrest him and that sort of thing. But Nicodemus meets with Jesus, and he really wants to know more about him. And Jesus tells him about being born again and tells him about the, the kingdom of God and how to enter into the kingdom of God, how to see the kingdom of God. And he shares some core doctrines that we still teach and we still believe today with Nicodemus about being born of the water and of the spirit. And he prophesies to him about being crucified, about being lifted up, about healing everyone from sin. And it's just this incredible conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. It's one of the most in-depth, doctrinally rich conversations that we find Jesus having with, with anyone. And Jesus says one of the most famous verses in the Bible to Nicodemus, summing up everything he's talking about. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but of everlasting life. And so Nicodemus, he has this great moving time in the presence of Jesus. Um, revelation after revelation, they have this incredible moment together. Jesus is telling him all these things, teaching him. And then as far as we can tell, Nicodemus just goes back to his work. Just goes back to the Sanhedrin. Everyone else, you know, Jesus called... You know, Peter and John and Andrew and Matthew and all, and they left their, they left everything, they followed him. Nicodemus just kind of goes back, as far as we can tell. There's no mention of him following with the, the others. He just kind of disappears for a while. And the next time we see him is in John chapter 7, and he defends Jesus against the other leaders who want to destroy Jesus. And he says the law says that he should be on trial first before you do anything. And that's about all we see from Nicodemus until we get to the text we read. And the last time we see him is the opening text after the crucifixion. He and this guy, Joseph, they take Jesus' body and they prepare it and they bury it. And so Nicodemus, he has this incredible moment in the presence of Jesus and he kind of backs him up and defends him to the, the other leaders and he never really seems to do much about, about it. This, he doesn't leave everything. He doesn't follow Jesus like the others. He doesn't sell all he has and become a disciple. 
He doesn't turn from his old life and follow Jesus. He's just kind of around, you know, on the fence, as we would say. Just kind of there in the background. And before we go any further, before we judge Nicodemus a little harsh, a little too harshly, we can sometimes be like that. We can have these incredible moments in the presence of Jesus, and we can experience revelation after revelation, and we can have knowledge, and we can have, um, we may even have power or position or whatever. We have whatever reason, we never seem to really come off that fence. He gives us this opportunity. Sometimes we miss it, and we just kind of sit there and, and let it go by, and we never really make that commitment, and we never really take up our cross and follow him or take that step and we get close and we get into his presence and maybe we cry a little bit maybe we pray a little maybe we come to church a little more for whatever reason we just don't seem to commit and we'll stand up for jesus and we'll defend the church and we'll defend him and we'll make sure that no one else says or does anything that's going to hurt the church we'll we'll stand up for it in that sense but as far as committing ourselves we just haven't quite got there yeah, and Nicodemus, he does this for about three years. He shows up right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's got a clue about who Jesus is before the rest of the people seem to. But for three years, he just kind of sits on the sidelines. He never really commits to following Jesus like he should. And then we've got Joseph of Arimathea. Luke chapter 23, verse 50 and 51, it says, And behold, there was a man named Joseph. A counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the council, indeed, of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. And so this guy, Joseph, he was on the council. We don't know if it was the Sanhedrin also or if he was on the high priest council. There were different councils. But either way, Joseph is also in a position of authority. He has some say in his community. He's got some Money, we'll see that in a minute. But the important thing here is even though Joseph was part of this council, he didn't agree with their decisions regarding Jesus. And the Bible says that he was also waiting for the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was told how to see and enter into the kingdom of God. And Joseph, he's looking for it. He's waiting for it. And these men were both kingdom-minded men in one way or another. He seems to be a little bit different than Nicodemus. Nicodemus never really seems to commit, but Joseph, it says in Matthew 25 or 27 and 57, when even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who was also himself Jesus' disciple. Now Joseph, he's following Jesus, but he's one of those, we'll call them hidden disciples. Closeted disciples. We don't like talking about closets for some reason. Well, I know the reason, but he's one of those closeted disciples. He, um, you know, people that follow Jesus, but then no one really seems to know they do. They're among us. <laughs> you know, the ones you have your suspicions. I don't know, they might be. Well, I'm not sure. That's not the way we're supposed to live, but there's people that do that. They're kind of on the fence that way. In John 19... 38 says this about Joseph. We read this, but it says, After this, Joseph being a very, Joseph and Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. Joseph had a position with the Jews and he was afraid. 
He didn't want to cause a scene. He didn't want people to talk. He didn't want to be labeled publicly as a disciple of Jesus. And he was willing to follow secretly. And there are those of us that that's how we do it. We don't want to cause any commotion. We don't want to upset the whatever. The status quo. We just kind of go along with that. Joseph didn't want people to talk. He didn't want to be labeled you know, as a disciple. He was willing to follow secretly, but his fear of the people around him held him back from taking that step and following Jesus openly, wholeheartedly, with everything that he had. He was a man who was looking for the kingdom of God, and here it was, right in his grasp. But yet, because he was worried about what his neighbors would say, he was worried about what his co-workers would say, he was worried about what the people around him would think, he held back. And we have people like that too, and we can also be like that. Sometimes we're like Nicodemus, and we can't get off the fence, and sometimes we're like Joseph, and we're afraid about what everyone around us is going to think, and we hold ourselves back from taking that next step and following him. And we'll follow Jesus, but we'll do it from a distance. And we like the teaching, and we like the miracles, and we like being in the presence of God, and we like, you know, just coming to church on Sunday or some of us will watch online or whatever, but as far as actually committing, I'm not too sure about that. People around me might make fun of me. They might mock me. I might lose my reputation. I might lose my position in my community. I might lose some respect from my neighbors. And so we kind of just hang out here for a while. We believe in Jesus. We love him. We follow him, but we'll do it from a distance. And we'll do it secretly because we're worried about making waves. And so we've got these two... Um, guys, we got Nicodemus and, and Joseph, and then these two types of people they represent. One, not quite ready to commit, and the other, kind of committed, but hiding it. Both looking for the kingdom of God, both concerned about the things of God, both right there. And for three years or so, this is how these men live. And then something happens. Everything falls apart. Jesus, he gets arrested, he gets put on trial, and he gets put on another trial, and he's going before the Romans. And the crowd is crying, crucify him, and the, and the same people who a week before had shouted, Hosanna, and they called him a king, now they turn on him. And now he's being beaten, and now he's being led down the street, and he's, he's bleeding, they're making him carry his cross down the road and he's stumbling and he's falling and another man helps and they're they're being they're bringing him to to Golgotha the place of the skull this incredible teacher the one who had met with Nicodemus at night and had told him about the kingdom of God and how to see it and how to enter it the man who had done no wrong and they're laying him down on the cross and they're driving nails into his feet into his hands and they're screaming and there's crying there's mocking and there's laughter from the centurions and from the crowd. And the crowd is hurling insults at him. And now he's hanging from the cross. And he's praying for them. And he's forgiving them. And the sky, uh, the, or the soldiers are gambling for his clothes. And the sky turns black. And this is in the middle of the day in the morning time. And then they're giving him something to drink. And, and Jesus dies. And then there's an earthquake in the veil. And the temple tears from the top to the bottom. Graves are opened up. And they pierce his side. And blood and water flow out. And just like that in a few hours. In less than 24 hours, it's all over. And this Jesus who Nicodemus had thought about committing to. Who had thought about 
following this Jesus who Joseph had followed from a distance, but was kind of worried about what everyone else was, was thinking about, what everyone else was going to say. He, he dies and it's over. Their chance to follow him completely is gone. Their chance to let everyone know that they're a disciple of Jesus was gone and they missed it. This massive tragedy strikes and something they never saw coming happens. And that is the way that life goes. You never see a tragedy come. Or else it wouldn't be a tragedy. You never see it coming. And then we're stuck with the what ifs and I should haves and why didn't I? But there's something different about this story. There's something different about Jesus. There's something different about Nicodemus and Joseph. All the other disciples, they scatter and they run away. But these two, these two who have been hiding, who have been on the fence, they reacted completely differently than the 12 disciples. Mark chapter 15, 43, it says, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Something switches in Joseph when Jesus dies. This guy up until now, he was afraid. He served Jesus secretly, who followed him in private because he was worried of what other people would think or do or say about him. Something happens when Jesus dies on that cross. He approaches Pilate for the body of Jesus boldly. That means to, to dare to endure. I'm bold or have courage to make up the mind. Jesus, or, or Joseph went from being afraid and hiding to making up his mind and boldly going to Pilate to get the body of Jesus. Nicodemus goes from meeting Jesus in the nighttime to preparing his body in broad daylight. It says, we read this already, but after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at, uh, the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. And they then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, in the garden of the new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. In history and the scripture tells us that they laid, Joseph, they laid Jesus in Joseph's own tomb. These two guys that were on the fence, these two guys that were hiding and they were worried about committing fully, they take care of the body of Jesus. The other disciples, they take off and hide, but these two fence sitters, they're the ones who were there. And they come off the fence, even though it looks like the chance to follow Jesus had passed. Even though it looked like it was too late. And herein is the point of this whole message. Here we go. 20 minutes in. Sometimes 
We miss chances. It's true. Sometimes it's too late to do things. Because time doesn't stop. Time marches on. It's too late for me to play in the National Hockey League. I can't skate well enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not in shape enough. This might shock you, I'm too old. People my age are retiring. We're already retired. It's too late for me to do that. There are some doors that are closed in our lives. Some moments have passed, but it is never too late to follow Jesus. And it is not too late to come off the fence. It is not too late to commit to Jesus. And it may look like it's over. It may look like you've missed your chance. I'm too old or I've fallen too far away or I waited too long or that ship has sailed and it's never coming back. It may look like you've wasted all your time and you've got nothing left to give. Joseph literally had a tomb. That's it. That's not a thing anyone wants. Nicodemus had some spices, but they gave it because it wasn't too late to do something for Jesus. And if you're still breathing, it's not too late. I just want to remind someone the simple message today that it is not too late to follow Jesus. It may have seemed like it may seem like we've missed an opportunity or it's too late for me. And as far as anyone was concerned, it was too late for Nicodemus. It was too late for Joseph to follow Jesus. It was too late for them to offer anything or do anything for Jesus. They had missed their chance. But the story wasn't over. And it is not too late to follow him. And maybe you've been around for a while. Maybe you've been kind of secretive about it. And you followed him from a distance. Maybe you pray by yourself when no one else really knows. Or maybe you've missed, you've had some incredible moments and experiences in the presence of Jesus. Maybe even some great revelations. And maybe you've been coming to church for years, but you haven't made that step yet for whatever reason, but as long as you are still breathing, it is not too late. Tomorrow hasn't come yet. There's a song called Tomorrow. We used to sing it in our church at altar time, growing up an old 90s song, maybe 80s, I'm not sure. It says, Jesus said, here I stand, won't you please let me in? And you said, I will tomorrow. Jesus said, I am he supplies all your needs and you said I know but tomorrow I'll give my life tomorrow I thought about today but it's so much easier to say tomorrow who promised you tomorrow better choose the Lord today for tomorrow very well might be too late but it's not too late today it could be tomorrow but today it's not. And so today that invitation is there. Will you commit to following Jesus with everything? Are you looking for the kingdom of God like Nicodemus and Joseph were? Jesus told Nicodemus that the way into the kingdom, he said, I'm verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus 
answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We need to repent. We need to be baptized in his name. We need to be filled with his Spirit. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee, and the time accepted, and the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day. If you need to repent, today is the day. If you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus, today is the day. If you need to be filled with the Spirit as evidenced by speaking in other tongues, today is the day. If you've experienced all of this and you haven't really totally committed, maybe you're following from a distance, maybe you're kind of like Joseph and you just, I don't know if I'm really ready to commit totally, today is the day. If you've been sitting on the fence, if you're looking for a sign to totally commit to Jesus, this is your sign. Maybe you've been kind of committed like Joseph or Nicodemus, and you've come to church and you think about Jesus in the Bible. Maybe you pray a bit on your own. You've toyed with the idea of following him, the idea of doing it and fully committing or taking that step. Maybe you just haven't done it yet. For whatever reason, today is the day. It is not too late. Moments have passed. Opportunities may have been missed. Yes, that is life. There are things that we're never going to do now. You missed it. Sorry to burst your bubble. But the decision to follow Jesus can be made at any point. As long as you're breathing, you can still make that choice. The decision to take that step or to go to that place or to take that leap of faith can still be made. The decision to go further with Jesus can still be be made. A decision to come out of hiding and fully commit. You can make that today. So we're going to open the altar this morning for anyone who wants to come. Who wants to go a little further with Jesus. Maybe you've been resisting that calling. Maybe he's been calling you to do something our community or some sort of ministry. Maybe he's been working on you. You've resisted. Today is the day. You can make that choice. Maybe I'm putting off. Whatever the next step is for you, today is the day of salvation. The Bible says you can you can repent. You can be filled with the Spirit. You can be baptized today. Whatever it is, if you need to God can take you further. Whatever that thing is that he's been working on you, that ministry, that calling, today's the day. You don't need to put it off anymore. We're going to open the altar. If you want to come and pray, we're going to sing a song. We're going to pray with you if, you if you want. God's calling us to go further. It's not too late. It may be too late for other things. We may have missed other things, but it's not too late to follow him. It's not too late to come out of that hiding. It's not too late to come off that fence. He's looking for you. He's calling for you. And has never changed. That has never stopped. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.